People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Hello and welcome along to Premier League Insights with Pinnacle.bet and this is game week 31 from the English Premier League with me, James Gregg, and also Jake Oscarthorpe from Info Goal. Before we get going on this week's game week, Jake, I just want to quickly ask you about last week because it few up a few surprises actually, didn't it? In terms of you results, could say that, yeah. you could say that the first <laughs> game back after the international break was an absolute belter. Um, yeah. But did you did you get a few sort of things absolutely bang on? I have a feeling that you did. You called a few things correctly. And you're just looking at me on the Zoom here for all you podcast listeners. I think you're quite pleased with yourself about that. But yeah, <laughs> do, do, do detail. Do do um, just give an insight to our listeners what we do on this Premier League Insights podcast because we do come up with a good sometimes. Yes, yeah. Um, I won't I won't go as far as I was grinning and you know being all smug, but um, yeah, we we had a, a fairly good week last week. Um, in particular, I'll just highlight a few. We had Newcastle the draw against Spurs. That was a nice odds against price around two point three. Crystal Palace um, or the draw on Monday night against Everton. Again, about even money, slightly above uh, West Ham to beat Wolves, which is a nice one as well, a decent price. And then the other one was Villa v. Fulham, which I think I did caveat with if Jack Grealish is playing, then this is a bet. If not, then just be a little bit cautious. But um, the Infocom model did, did flag Villa up as value and uh, and ultimately landed another odds against winner. So, yeah, not too bad. There was some very dodgy tips in there as well. You know, the, the earth's falling, falling apart, I think, after, after the West Brom beat Chelsea 5-2. A Chelsea team that barely conceded a goal under Tuchel and go and ship five to West Brom. Um, but overall, yeah, fairly profitable week from us. And hopefully we can deliver something similar again this week with, um, you know, we've got some really tasty fixtures to get stuck into. If you've not listened to this podcast for a while, we are streamlining it slightly. We're basically picking a few notable fixtures and then rounding the rest up at the end of the podcast. So we've got three fixtures from Saturday. We'll get going in chronological order. Half past 12 this Saturday is Manchester City against Leeds United. Kevin De Bruyne said only one team wanted to play football in that win over Leicester City for City. Will that be different against a Marcelo Bielsa side who absolutely love to play football, no matter what the result, Jake? It will be completely different, yeah. They're, for whatever reason, I, I can't understand Brendan Rodgers' thinking, really, in, in that game last week. They just didn't turn up, they didn't have a go. It was almost like they were just resigned to losing, which was really concerning, given that they've got aspirations of obviously finishing in the top four. Um, and, you know, it, it did invoke sort of memories of what we saw from them last season, which ultimately ended in them missing out. So. Really weird, really strange performance. Um, just let Manchester City walk all over him effectively. And, and, you know, Leeds are completely the opposite of that. They don't change their approach for anybody. They'll be gung-ho, vintage Leeds, vintage Bielsa. They'll be pressing high. Um, they'll probably get beat comfortably, but they'll go down swinging. Uh, and they'll, they'll, I think that they'll at least get on the score sheet. Interestingly, for this game, there's... I won't say a complete clash of styles, but it's very, very 
similar slash different and at the same time between these two where they both want to dominate the football but they also want to dominate the opponents by forcing them using their press and the smart pressing um, so that really makes for an intriguing matchup and it did in the first game um, between these two teams we finished 1-1 at Ellen Road and in fact Leeds won the XG battle really really convincingly on that day I think it was 2.7 to 1.5 so Leeds actually created the better chances um, that did actually come before Manchester City started playing at these kind of levels. So we'll give them a little bit of a caveat there. Um, and this game obviously comes in between two Champions League um, quarterfinals. Uh, first leg's obviously out of the way. They won that one 2-1. Um, but still, that tie's not over. So they'll probably rest and rotate. Fortunately for City, they do have the best squad in the league for resting and rotating. So And a 14-point um, gap as well, it's worth noting, because that's that's got to play a part in Pep Guardiola's team selection, hasn't it? You mentioned it's an, a really crucial point of the season. They're obviously desperate to break that duck, get that monkey off the back in the Champions League. So you've got to look at that and think, oh, he, he might rest and rotate. He can forego two points. They can get a, a draw in this game. And it doesn't really matter because they've got the name pretty much engraved on that Premier League trophy already. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. That That's definitely something that will be on many punters' mind, I think, and, and potentially a reason why many people would be opposing City in this game. Personally, I'm not going to go anywhere near it because even if they put out that second string team, there's players in there um, you know, that, that don't get a regular game at the moment that will be playing to try and impress, that will be playing to try and get their name on that starting sheet. Um, in Dortmund, we know Guardiola likes to chop and change anyway. So you know, even though they, they played well um, against Dortmund, there's every chance that some of those players won't be starting in the second leg. So um, there's an opportunity. Also, just really interesting stuff about Leeds. They're, they're, only West Brom have conceded more expected goals this season than Leeds, but over 50% of those of the XG that they've conceded have come in matches against last season's top six. And I believe there's only been eight or nine matches. Um, so effectively, when they come up against better teams that are um, that have better individuals that can beat the press through the dribbling or the passing, uh, they get carved open, conceding an average around three expected goals against per game. So I do think it could be a long, long game for Leeds, but I do think they'll get on the score sheet. And that's where I'm going for the, the selection really in this one is, is both teams to score. Um, I know we went for, I think we went for the same tip in this, in Man City's game last week with Leicester. Leicester obviously just didn't turn up. I can't see that being the case with Leeds this time around. I think they're really going to have a go. They do create a lot of chances, um, even away from home, averaging around 1.6 expected goals for per game. So they are creating a ton of chances when they're uh, on the road. And, And I think that even though Man City have been fairly solid for the most part this season, um, you know, a couple of cracks have started to show. We see Dortmund score uh, in midweek. We saw Southampton put two past them at the Etihad a few weeks ago as well. So both teams to score. You're getting around 1.85, I think, for that one. Um, that looks at the way in for me. I like the sound of that. And also it does tie in, perhaps a little bit unfairly actually, discuss, just, just also another factor is the fact that Man City obviously are in that um, you know that limbo period. They still go for the quadruple. They've got a cushion. They can rest and rotate. Also, Leeds hit that magical forty-point mark last week. So I know, look, they were never in any danger of going down. But psychologically, it was something that they kept getting asked about weirdly in a lot of the post-match interviews. I noticed from all the different outlets. Oh, you've hit the forty-point mark. I thought, what an odd thing to say for a team that's not really flirted with relegation at all all season. But they that, didn't ask that to me. Didn't say that to Mikel Arteta, did they? Exactly. <laughs> Level well, exactly. points of Leeds at the moment. Yeah, exactly. That was kind of my point. But I think that you know, only ten percent chance you guys at Info Goal have got Leeds of getting anything from this game in terms of a victory. 
I find that pretty interesting. By the way, if you are listening along to this, you might as well get the info goal um, table and the mo- the model, the prediction model up whilst you listen along to this, as well as the Premier League betting odds at pinnacle.com, just to see if there's anything that we're saying that is tying in or anything that we've missed as well on this podcast. I think we've covered that game enough, Jake. I think we know both know which way it's likely to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll turn our attentions now to Liverpool against Aston Villa, which is a game that actually, talking of knowing how things are going to go, I'm not sure that I really have a clue about this one, but I'm sure that your stats will sort me out a little bit. Liverpool getting back into the groove. They had that really good 3-0 win over Arsenal last weekend. Champions League action. Confidence probably shot after that first leg. Last eight defeat. Um, I was going to say at the Bernabeu, but it wasn't at the Bernabeu. It's at their little sort of Castilic's Casilla ground, isn't it? That they yeah, play yeah. Alfredo Di Stefano. That's the one. That's the one. Um, so... What what does what are your stats saying? What are you predicting for this one, Jake? Yeah, like you, I'm uh, a little bit not so not baffled, but don't really know which way to attack this. Um, I think the, the I don't know if you listen to Monday Night Football, but Gary Neville was absolutely slating Arsenal's performance against Liverpool, and that was the first time that I'd actually heard anyone say that our, Liverpool won that game comfortably because Arsenal were bad, uh, and that sort of you know, quite a few people getting carried away. Liverpool are back. You know, they've won three in a row now, three clean sheets. Um, that as soon as I heard that, I actually thought, you know, what, that that actually sounds all right. And then they played Real Madrid on Tuesday and um, quite simply got got battered. They were second best for seventy minutes of the match. Um, you know, the issue in defence didn't. You know, it really come came to the fore once again against better teams, against better operators. Thinking Tony Cruz, who's you know, one of the best pass foot pass in the uh, in the world, um, and you know, the, the man on everyone's lips since the last England squad, Trent Alexander Arnold, mm. played really well against Arsenal. But um, as they highlighted on Monday Night Football, Arsenal weren't doing any pressing; they weren't doing any running in behind. That was a complete opposite against Madrid, and and he got absolutely rinsed. And that, if there was ever an argument as to why Southgate shouldn't take Trent to the Euros, it was that game. The outswing runs of uh, of Vinicius causing issues all night. Um, Obviously an error leading to goal as well, which didn't help. Um, And to be honest, when I was watching that Real Madrid game, the amount of balls that the the Real Madrid played over the top, it did remind me a lot of the the reverse game Liverpool played at Aston Villa. Mm, 7-2. Wow, I know. Yeah, yeah. Because Aston Villa, you know, they've got some some classy operators in midfield. I think Ross Barkley that day was was excellent in playing those sorts of balls over the top. Um, not so much hit and hope balls. I mean, they were angled, they were put into decent spaces for the likes of Watkins to run onto, um, and that looked a real issue again last night. It's the first time I've seen it in a while where um, where Liverpool had been caught out like that, and that again. It's probably something that we might see in this game this weekend because Aston Villa they, they have the potential to to pose a real threat again in that and in, in over the top they've got a lot of pace um, they've got plenty of uh, good players in midfield that can that can dictate the ball and you know they can hold on to it they can look after it um, and then again is is Grealish going to be fit because if he hit if he is then it could be one of the worst weeks of Trent Alexander Arnold's life if he comes up against Grealish <laughs> after being rinsed by Vinicius so um, yeah I, I think that I think that that, that all that I've said there, I'm, I'm sort of swaying towards getting Villa on side, especially given the fact that Liverpool are in the predicament they are in the Champions League um, and that they potentially could rest ahead of that second leg because they're still in that tie. They only need to win 2-0 or 3-1 um, to at least take that tie to extra time. Um, 
Patrick, it's just a, how how we are going to get them on side. And what about Trezeguet? I mean, Trezeguet, Watkins. It seems like they've found a way to win without Grealish. Those two are firing. Grealish, obviously, uh, uh, not Grealish. Watkins, fresh off that England call up as well, where he did so well. He's got to have a bit of a bounce from that. You'd imagine just being around the squad, it's an odd sort of unmeasurable thing. I know we, we're talking stats a lot of the time, but sometimes it's the immeasurables, isn't it, that contribute so much. What's it saying in terms of expected goals for Ollie Watkins and Trezeguet? Because surely that's only going to be boosted if we do see a Grealish and a, a in firing sort of early season form of Ross Barkley. Yeah, yeah. Watkins is the is the main man, really. Um, Eleven goals from thirteen point three xg, so he's slightly underperformed based on the chances that he's been presented with. But he's constantly getting on, on chances on the end of chances, which is what we look for. Um, his average of zero point four five xg per average matches is up there with the likes of Calvert Lewin and Harry Kane. So he's he is at that sort of level in terms of getting on the end of the chances. Um, all he needs to do now is take them because Harry Kane. That's a big difference between him and. Uh, and, and Ollie Watkins is that Kane is massively overperforming his XG and he has done every single season since 2014. So, um, yeah, he, he's, he's a difficult customer is Watkins. He's got pretty much everything. He can hold the ball up really well. He can run the channels. He's great in the air. Obviously, he's, he's really, really quick as well. Um, and I think that if Liverpool set up with um, Nat Phillips and Ozan Kabak again at centre-half, I think he'd be licking his lips because he, he did an umbron Van Dijk and Joe Gomez in the, in the, in the previous meeting so it's a mm. slight downgrade those the the current two um and yeah Grealish is, is he's the main guy he's the main guy playing on off that left hand side coming inside creating chances um obviously scoring goals as well which is something he's added I, I think the I think Villa can can go to Liverpool and get a result we know that Liverpool's home form has been really really poor uh, I think is it six straight defeats in the league in, in Anfield uh, I know that that, that that RB Leipzig game, which we won two 0 the second leg, was classed as a home game, but it was obviously in Budapest. Mm-hmm. Um, so home struggles for Liverpool. Villa on the on on you know coming off the back of a decent result against Fulham, they were one 0 down, fifteen minutes left, managed to win that three um, one. And before that, they weren't too bad against Spurs, but they they have struggled for consistency in the second half of the season. But I do think that they are probably turning in a, a little bit of a corner. Um, there was a lull because. You know, you look back at Dean Smith's team selections, he barely changed the team for the first 10, 15 games. So all his players probably feeling the effects of that. Um, so yeah, I'm wanting to get Villa on side. I'm looking at the the handicap market. We can get Aston Villa plus one on the Asian handicap at even money, which means that if Aston Villa draw the game or win the game, we get paid out. If they lose the game by one goal, so one nil, two one to Liverpool, then we get our money back. Um, so the only way we lose this bet is if Aston Villa lose by two goals or more, which I, I think is quite unlikely given everything that we've discussed. And also, yeah, over 4.5 goals on Pinnacle.com. <laughs> you mean over think... 8.5? <laughs> exactly. That's what, that's what we need. That's what we need. <laughs> but it's look, it's really decent. It's 4.810 um, on Pinnacle.com for over 4.5 goals. So that's well worth a look. Now, the half past five kickoff is Crystal Palace against Chelsea. That's the next game that we're going to be covering here. Chelsea bounced back from humbling, that humbling that they suffered to West Brom last weekend. It was all going too well for Thomas Tuchel, wasn't it, Jake? A draw in this game is a 22% chance, 47% chance of over 2.5 goals. That's according to you fellas at Info Goal. 
Where do you see this one going? Because there's no way on earth we'd have seen that 5-2 coming last week. So how do we see it going? Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm firmly in the Chelsea camp on this one, mainly because of Crystal Palace. Um, I know they've had a couple of decent results recently, but their underlying performances have been shocking. Um, you know, Everton, they scored a very late equaliser in that game, but they conceded 2.8 expected goals. So Everton, basically, I think watching the game, they had about three one-on-ones that, that were saved by Vicente Guaita. So they're cons- you know, giving up plenty of chances there. Um, against Spurs, again, loads of chances conceded. Manchester United was an OK result, 0-0. Um, against Fulham at home, they created 0.2 XG, which is a, a pathetic uh, number, really, for, for a team. Well, against a team really that that's that's struggling at the uh, in the relegation zone, and then at Brighton when they won two one, that was one of the most unfair results based on XG this season. Um, Crystal Palace conceding three expected goals to 0.3 that they created. So, um, although they've lost just one of the last uh, six matches, perform underlying performances suggest that they are basically performing like a, a relegation threatened team, and they have done all season. So, if they continue in that vein, I think this Chelsea team will will be able to put them to the sword. I know that the, you know, the wheels might have come off. There's all sorts going on really behind the scenes as well as on the pitch after that, that 5-2 defeat. You got, you know, fighting on the training pitch between yeah. Rudiger and Kepper. Um, Thiago Silva's obviously suspended for this. If Rudiger's still out of favour come the weekend, who's playing at centre-half in that, you know, that back three system. Uh, all sorts of things going on there. And obviously the, the Champions League either side of this um, and the fact that after that defeat against West Brom, uh, everything's tightened up behind them. There's Spurs, Liverpool, one, uh, two points behind them, and, and they now find themselves in fifth after West Ham's victory. So, um, yeah, it's all to play for. They, they can't really afford to let any more points slip, really, in my opinion, because I can't see them winning the Champions League at the current, um, the way that the way they're going. Um, and the top four is, is, you know, that race is well and truly on. I mean... It, Start race is over. I'm glad we've got something to look forward to to the end of the season with this <laughs> this race for Europe between about five or six teams. Um, yeah, info goal, you've got them finishing top four, Chelsea. So the yes, fifth at the minute, yeah. so they're going to pick up results. I mean, look, if they're going to do that, this is the sort of game that they need to be winning easy. Thanks very much. Here's the three points and we'll move on to see you next week. That's the kind of stuff that they need. But as you mentioned, Champions League, either side of this game, which is sandwiched in between, What's Thomas Tuchel's priority, I wonder? Hmm. Because it's, it's actually a really tricky one. It's not like a Liverpool-type situation, is it, where they're so obsessed with the Champions League. They've won the Premier League last year. There's actually half a chance of them kind of getting something. But actually now, Liverpool put to the sword. I suppose it all depends on how they get on against Porto. If they get pumped 3-0 by Porto tonight, I suppose that changes everything, doesn't it? It changes Thomas Tuchel's team selection and outlook and the way they work towards the game full stop so we, we don't really know do we on that front no actually. no I think fortunately for Chelsea they've got one of the biggest and deepest squads in the league so that they can in theory contend on on two fronts but they are missing a few key players obviously Kante was was a big miss for them last week um, Jorginho didn't have a, a, a good game without his, his mate Kante next to him um, I think those two have played it really well since Tuchel's um, arrived going in attacking areas. I mean, they've they've underwhelmed ever since Tuchel took over. To be honest, the defensively they've been exceptional, keeping so many clean sheets. But attacking wise, generating just one point six expected goals for per game, which is um, 
you know, it, that's well below the standards of, of what we saw under Frank Lampard, even at the start of this season. I think they were up and around 2x cheaper game. Is that Lampard. right? Is that, is that serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um the defense the defense was was the main issue for them. I think they were allowing around 1.4 expected goals against per game and they're now allowing around 0. Well, that that big West Brom thumping has um has put it up a little bit, but you're around 0. 0.7 expected goals against per game. So from a xG difference perspective, they are a better team marginally under Tuchel, but um yeah, the the attack is something that needs working on. They've got loads of quality players up there for whatever reason it's just not clicking at the moment um, so I, I think that this is going to be quite a low scoring game between Chelsea and Crystal Palace as you said the you know the, the unders is marginally favoured by the Infocom model um, around a 52-53% chance um, and the market is it's pretty much in line but there might be a tad bit of value um, available on the under 2.5 goal line which is a bet that I quite like the look of um, if you're not if you're wanting to bet on the on the 1x2 the home draw away I definitely would take Chelsea at the prices um, even though they're, they're coming off the back of a, of a defeat against West Brom and they've got Champions League commitments I think that the squad is deep enough and, and they're strong enough defensively and have enough in attack to, to get past the Crystal Palace team that will effectively just sit back and try and counter attack so um, I'm not expecting it to be an entertaining game, but probably 1-0 Chelsea. Nice. You heard it here on the Premier League Insights podcast. We're going to move on to Sunday's games now and two teams that have featured a little bit in the chat already. West Ham against Leicester City is the five past two kickoff on Sunday. No Declan Rice, but no problem for West Ham. Jesse Lingard is in scintillating form. He scored a fantastic goal at the weekend. And... I mean, they are really looking like finishing in the top four. And every week I'm thinking they're going to have a horror shock result. And as we saw with Chelsea, it can happen at any time to any team, barring probably Manchester City. But Leicester at 2.620 to win the match at pinnacle.com. Jake, any ideas, any inkling actually that Leicester City are going to finish out of those top four places? Because you've got them finishing third at the moment on the info goal model. Any inkling, anything at all? I have my doubts personally. I think that there's there's some big football matches for them between now and the end of the season. This is probably the biggest because if West Ham win this, they go one point behind Leicester, um, and all of a sudden Leicester are really dragged into that that sort of mix. If you think Chelsea win this weekend as well, and Tottenham and maybe even Liverpool win. All of a sudden, you're looking at um, a similar situation to last season where they could well be hunted down and. To be honest, that's what I'm expecting. I think that at the prices, West Ham looking at a fantastic bet. I'm hugely surprised to see them as as um, outsiders in this in this market. Um, you can currently back them at around 2.98 on Pinnacle, which I think is just an unbelievable price for a team that has got the second best home record in the entire Premier League. Um, only Manchester City have picked up more points at home this season than West Ham, which is um, yeah, again just baffling, baffling or trying to understand what this price is all about. And uh, it can't all just be Declan Rice-based. Um, I think that the, the the market, for whatever reason, is still liking Leicester, despite what they saw last week. And, and despite the fact that they're missing Harvey Barnes and James Madison isn't exactly 100% just yet. But West Ham are just a well-oiled machine. And um, ultimately, they've been pretty much the better team of the two um, throughout the whole season. And they... The processes of both based on expected goals are pretty much identical, around 1.6 expected goals for per game created, 1.3 against um, for both West Ham and Leicester. So if you've effectively got both teams rated 
very, very similar, similarly with home field advantage, West Ham should be strong favourites. And that's what the Infocore model is suggesting. We make them 41% chance, um, uh, 41% favourites of winning this game compared to around 32% that's available on the market. So there's a huge price disparity there between um, the, us and, and the bookmakers. And I think that we can take full advantage of that because West Ham have been, um, have been excellent. They've, they've looked a little bit more vulnerable defensively of late, obviously conceding three to Arsenal, two to Wolves, um, allowing plenty of chances. But they look scintillating going forward, as you mentioned. They, they really do. Um, Lingard probably going to win the Ballon d'Or this year. Um, <laughs> Thomas Suchek as, as, as his runner-up. Um, oh, but, yeah, I know. know. People are waxing lyrical in WhatsApp groups about him. And I'm like, oh, my word. Imagine if you had been doing this a year ago. People have been laughing you out of the blue. They've been blocking you, removing you out of WhatsApp <laughs> groups. Just a quick one on Jamie Vardy, though. Not scored in nine. I've just checked that out. I know he contributes in other areas. I know he's talismanic. I know he seems to galvanise the whole team and he chips in with assists and creating goals. Is that going to be a bit of a concern for Brendan Rodgers and for Leicester that he's not hitting the back of the net? Because his XG is per average, um, average per match. Is that right? Is, is that, have I said that right? Yeah, XG per average match. XG yeah. per average match. He is... I mean, he's, he's the top of the charts. It's only Harry Kane's a close second behind him. So that's got to be a bit of a concern that he's, he's not finding the back of the net. Yeah, yeah, he's getting in the positions, but um, I, would, I would just err on the side of caution when looking at those kind of XG figures for Vardy because Leicester have had the most penalties in the league this season and, and we all know a penalty is worth 0.8 XG on average. So if you're getting a penalty, you're effectively getting two big chances um, on the overall XG data. and. Vardy, I think, has been has taken maybe seven of those um, those, those ten penalties. So his XG is definitely boosted by that. That when you watch him, he isn't getting in the, in scoring positions as regularly as he was in in yesteryear. And I think that's partly down to the system because Leicester now dominate the football a little bit more. There's usually a lack of space in behind for him to to run into and exploit. Um, and he is effectively a fox in the box. He it's very rare that he picks the ball up and you know creates his own goal from nothing. Um, mm. So that's, it's a slight concern um, and even more so when you're playing against teams like West Ham who, as we saw on Monday night against Wolves, are happy to sit back and counter-attack and, and, and really suffocate you uh, when you're attacking and spring on the break with you know, the pace of Lingard, etc. Um, yeah, it, it's a slight concern. I think that if he was to, to start firing, um, Leicester would have no problems getting into the top four. Uh, but I would also say that in his defence, he has been missing his two key creators for the last um, month or so with, with Harvey Barnes and James Madison out injured. So if they if they were to come back, I think he's, he would start to see his return increase because the focus then from defensive point of view is is not just on Vardy. There, there's other people to to consider and, and try and try and thwart. So, yeah, um, West, for me though, like I said at the start, West Ham are, are the way in for this game. Absolutely. However you, you think, however you're comfortable backing them, if you want to just take them to win the game, which which I'll be doing nearly nearly three to uh, sorry nearly two to one, or if you want to take them on the uh, draw no bet on the Asian handicap plus no two point one four, which means if West Ham, um, you know, if it's a draw, you get your stake back. If West Ham win, you get a full win. I, I think. <laughs> Even even though Leicester have been a you know fairly strong away from home, picked up the most points on the road. The process hasn't been all that good compared to um, their rivals away from home, and and doesn't really reflect their strong performances. I mean, 
you know, for, for comparison, Arsenal have actually got a better expected goals process away from home than Leicester this season. So um, they've been slightly fortunate to pick up as many points as they have. Uh, and as I've said, West Ham, among the, the best teams in the league for, for home points collected and home process. So West Ham all the way for me, I'm, I'm riding the David Moyes train. And you back that up with some great stats, right? Call it the Premier League Insights Podcast for nothing, Jake. We're going to move on to the half past four kickoff. Tottenham against Manchester United. Now, this was another one of those in the reverse fixture earlier on in the season. A ridiculous game, ridiculous amount of goals. I remember seeing Jose Mourinho looking incredibly smug because Tottenham won that game 6-1 earlier on in the season. Harry Kane tops the Premier League goal scorer and assists charts. Kane's XG, as I mentioned, actually, per average match is 0.63, second to only Jamie Vardy. But as Jake rightfully gave us a bit of insight on, Leicester have had a load of penalties. I suppose Spurs have probably had their fair share as well, but not as many as Leicester. You're right. So where do you see this going? Look, United scored late to steal points from Brighton last weekend. Some people say they're lucky. Some people say that actually that was a good three points in the end um, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side. We did mention actually on the previous week's Premier League Insights podcast about where Man United are going to get their goals from, Jake. And again, it proved a bit of a problem again at the weekend. So is this going to be a similar kind of game? Where are they getting the goals from? Especially when you've got somebody who is scoring a lot of goals and creating a lot of goals in Harry Kane in the opposition lineup. Yeah, that's the main issue for, for United. It has been um, for quite a while, actually. And it's definitely something that needs fixing. I, I thought last week on, on the podcast that Cavani would be that guy, but he was just mm. non-existent in the game against Brighton and and like you said, it, it, while it was a you know far from a vintage performance by Manchester United, it was a very good win because, um, as I said last week, we rate Brighton as a as a top six team based on expected goals. So um, you know that that in theory um, was a tougher opposition than what they're facing this week in in Tottenham, who sit around mid table based on um, on xG. Um, yeah, the, like the main issue I have is uh, with Spurs. They they just I I've no idea where to put them because they look really good against Villa, um, and then against Newcastle, a team with one of the worst attacking processes in the Premier League, they concede nearly four expected goals. Um, they, they they to me they just look exceptionally vulnerable at the back, and while you, while ever you you know you've got Harry Kane, you've got Hummins on, you've got a chance. Don't get me wrong, but they just keep shipping goals left and right, and um, I'll, I'll be really interested to see what sort of a uh, tactic and approach Mourinho takes for this game because we've seen him in the big matches. He's played very reserved, very defensive, uh, played on the counter-attack. Um, even at Arsenal, who were by no means a big team anymore, he did the same thing and they created next to nothing for 70 minutes, 80 minutes of that game. So um, if they play in the same manner, we could be in for a very, very dull game because Manchester United do struggle to, to break down deep line blocks. Um, it does take them a while. Um, and they'll be playing on Thursday as well, which is something that Tottenham don't have to deal with this time around, um, given the fact that they were you know, unceremoniously knocked out by Dinamo Zagreb. So mm. um, there's that to factor in. Again, Man United have got the squad to sort of be able to rotate and um, and for it not to be too much of an issue, especially in, in the forward areas. They're all much of a muchness, the likes of Greenwood and Rashford. Um, but yeah... <laughs> The Infocom model is flagging Manchester United up as massive value for this, which um, I'm tentatively behind uh, uh, is, is the way I, is what I would say, because 
Mourinho is more than capable of, of stifling United, um, in which case the draw definitely comes into play. But if I was to have a, um, a bet, it would be the under 2.5 goals. Um, you're looking at around 1.95. Um, the model it thinks it's priced up pretty accurately, um, but that, that's the way I would go. Manchester United do offer value in the 1x2, but I would be very cautious given the fact that they play on Thursday night, injuries could be picked up, etc. Um, and Spurs will be playing defence first football and trying to hit them on the counter-attack. So I think taking the under two and a half, I think I could easily see this being a, a nil-nil or a one-one or a one-nil either way. Um, it's a bigger game for Spurs than it is for United given the current state of the table as well. Of course it is. Right, let's go through the next few games. This is the way that we're doing it. We're streamlining the podcast and then the best of the rest, basically. Jake's going to pick a few out and um, I'll go picking a couple out as well, even though my expertise is not as high as Jake's when it comes to, well, you've got a nose for it. Let's just call it that, Jake. Eh? We've got a nose for it. We'll run through some of the other fixtures as well this weekend. So on Friday, Fulham host Wolves. On Sunday, Newcastle travel to Burnley. Bottom of the table, Sheffield United have got Arsenal on Sunday. And then on Monday, West Brom take on Southampton and Everton travel to Brighton. They're both on Monday. So anything leap out at you there? I mean, <laughs> Sheffield United against Arsenal does to me, not because I am Sheffield United persuasion. So I will have absolutely nothing to do with anything on the Premier League Insights podcast next season. But is it the sort of game where Sheffield United could actually get something out of that? Because Arsenal are so bereft of confidence. This looks so lacklustre. But Blades, look, there's no new manager bounce because there's no new manager. But against Chelsea in the FA Cup, they actually looked okay despite losing. And they're creating a lot of chances as well and just not sticking them in the back of the net. Everything seems to be going wrong for Sheffield United. Is there any value in, in anything that I've just come up with? Or is it just completely red and white, you know, tinted spectacles that I'm wearing? Uh, yeah, probably that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah so, where, where's think... your interest lying? Go on, Jake, on a yeah, serious th- note. That, that is an, it's an interesting game, that, because um, Arsenal, given their current predicament and the result, the, the last couple of results, they're now seven points off the top six with you know, only eight matches remaining. So their eggs are probably firmly in the Europa League basket, in which case this game comes in between two, I would say, awkward games against Slavia Prague, who yeah. are um, you know, the home nation slayer, if you like, having knocked out Rangers and Leicester. So I, I think there could be an opportunity for Sheffield United to, to get something, um, whether it be a result or whether it be a, you know, a decent performance and, and a narrow defeat. I think I'd probably side with the latter. I think mm. that Sheffield, I, I, don't, I can't see Arsenal going to Sheffield United and winning convincingly. Let me say that. Um, in which case, looking at the prices that, that we've got available, taking Sheffield United in some sort of handicap, probably plus one, hand, uh, 1.86 appeals. Um, you know, it's, it's been said numerous times that pretty much 80% of Sheffield United's defeats this season have come by a single goal margin. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if that was the case this time around and we had the plus one on the Asian handicap, we'd get our money back. Um, I, yeah, like I said, Sheffield United, they'll, they'll be competitive. They'll continue to be competitive, even if they're not winning matches and getting points. But um, yeah, you, I'd like to say that you'll be joining us next season, being a Sheffield Wednesday fan, but it's looking pretty bleak <laughs> for us 
in the championship. So I'm not too sure about that. Um, but yeah, that, that's the way I would be going in that one. And, and then as for the other matches that, that catch the eye, the Friday night game. Yeah, full of Wolves. I was just going to say that because which way are you calling that? Wolves have just completely just collapsed, if you like. Fulham, bizarrely, and you'll have the stats to back this up, look so good. Every single game I watch them, I think they look brilliant. And yet they end up losing or they end up squandering a lead. And they're still in grave danger of getting relegated. But there's something telling me in the back of my mind that they're going to start picking up a few points to that team, aren't they? Or is it me once again living in fantasy land? I'm completely the other way to you on that one. Seriously? Completely. Yeah, I'd, I'm not. I'm not into this Fulham hype at all. They, they, they've been given an absolute loving for the last 10, 20 matches and picked up about six points, but they're still getting like so much positivity around there. Um, I'm not on, not on board with it at all. The well, numbers aren't on board with it at all. Um, you know, if, if you're scrapping for points down at the bottom end and you go one nil up and you've got 15 minutes to to defend a lead, you should be seeing that out and you go and lose 3-1 to Aston Villa. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've just written the, the match preview for this game and, and I quote myself here. They're a team who receive a lot of love for their approach this season, but I personally haven't seen what all the fuss is all about. In my opinion, a better coach than Scott Parker would have steered this squad to safety already. That's wow. my opinion. Uh, I think the squad is there. I think the talent in the squad is there. I don't think that he's getting the best out of the players there. Um, Three-way handicap, Wolves minus one is on <laughs> pinnacle.com. is 8.250. Were you going to bring that one up? No, I wasn't going to quite go that high. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Fulham, they've massive, massive worries at home as well. They've right. won just two home games all season and that's been against Sheffield United and West Brom. So they've not beaten anybody at Craven Cottage outside of the bottom three, which is a massive, massive issue. And I think the reason for that is because they play at their best when they're playing on the counter-attack. And usually mm. when you're playing at home, you're the aggressor and the away team is the counter-attacking team. So it doesn't suit them. Um, and what are Wolves really good at? They're really good at sitting deep and counter-attacking, which again, I, I just think it's it's not really a very good matchup for Fulham. As for Wolves, you said that they they dropped off a cliff and all this, but the, the numbers suggest that they're actually performing better than the perform the results would suggest. Um, they, they've won the XG battle in six of the last 10 league matches, but only won three games in that time. Wow. Uh, and against West Ham, they created nearly 2.6 expected goals. So they created loads and loads of chances on Monday night without taking advantage. And I think it's really interesting to see what's happening there at the moment because they've obviously got nothing to play for. They're not going down. They're not going to finish in Europe. Um, and it seems like Nuno ripped up his copybook and said, right, we'll just start again. Get rid of this five at the back. Let's play four at the back and get as many attacking players on the pitch as possible. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I think they're really interesting to, to, to watch. I actually think they're going to be a really entertaining team to watch from now to the end of the season. Plenty of goals expected. Um, and I think that they're in a good place to get a result at um, at Fulham and yeah I'm, I've not gone minus one for Wolves I'm taking them plus naught on the Asian handicap um, which is around 2.3 which I just think is a really good bet it effectively draw no bet if Wolves win the match we get a nice payout if, if it ends in a draw we get our money back um, I just can't be having Fulham at that price they're, they're, they're favourites at 2.5 and I, I just I'm not seeing it um, not uh, not with the way things are going anyway. I could be proved completely wrong. You could be right. They could win three or four games and, and escape. But I actually think Newcastle are that team that are going to win quite a few matches from now to the end of the season. I know that 
Steve Bruce has been taking a, an absolute kick in for the last two months. Um, people are forgetting that he's been missing his two best players for, yeah, for most exactly. of that time as well. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the signs of life with Newcastle, they actually look like they can score goals now, which, which is something that I'm still not seeing with Fulham. Uh, and it's been their main issue all season long, to be honest, has been creating the chances and, and scoring the goals. They've only scored 23 times in 30 matches. The only other game that I'll just quickly touch on is, is yeah, Monday night. Monday night football, Brighton, Everton. We've got the, the statistician's dream matchup, effectively. Um, Brighton, who are the, the serial underperformers, underachievers, mm. playing at a, an extremely high level without getting the results, taking on an Everton team who are um, sat in a lofty position when they should be arguably looking over their shoulder at the relegation battle. So um, interesting to see that the, the, the prices that are available. Brighton are favourites with the market. Um, you're getting around 2.25 for, for mm. a home win. Everton um, outsiders, people will probably look at the table, look at that that sort of betting heat and think, wow, Everton look a real bet here. But they've been pretty woeful for, for most of the season. Um, the only caveat to that is that their away form actually hasn't been too bad on the whole. Um, but yeah, at the prices, I think Brighton could be a bet. I would wait for team news though, because Brighton, they they they... they Graham Potter's a little bit like Pep Guardiola. He, he tinkers it from game to game. Um, he doesn't bring in star player for star player. It's very mediocre for mediocre, but there's different personnel every every game and, and it, different systems as well. So I would just hold fire. That price could drift, actually, um, if there's some money comes for Everton. So pre-Monday night football, if you can get Brighton around 2.3, I, I would definitely be interested in that. Quote of the week, Graham Potter is a bit like Pep Guardiola. <laughs> He is. Hey, he is. I think that I think that he's one of the most underrated managers in the Premier League. I, I, would, I would agree with you. I'm glad that we I can would. agree on something because <laughs> those last few matches we were absolutely all over the place. You know what? There's a lot to be said for the stats that you throw out there because I think I get charmed into this whole oh Fulham. Wow, they look great. But you know what? Your point about if they had a different coach or a better coach, they they would be safe. I actually kind of start. I've never really thought of it like that. I've not spent too much time thinking about Fulham, actually, in my spare time, but I've got to say... You're wearing a Fulham kit, aren't you? White (laughs) and black. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Uh, Probably best kept away for our podcast uh, uh, listeners, actually. Uh, Jake, thanks very much, mate. We'll uh, definitely revisit some of those because there's some interesting conversations there, but we'll revisit some of those. I'm pretty sure that you'll be right on most of them. Um, So yeah, there we go. We look forward to a big game week 31 here on the Premier League Insights podcast. Thanks as ever to Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal. Some really interesting stuff there. And if you do want to go back and have a listen back to it, feel free if you want to tell some of your pals because you're winning a bit of money. And you're thinking some of the tips on this podcast are great. Uh, do let us know. And if not, just check out pinnacle.com and also the info goal stats and, and stuff as well. There's so much more on infogoal.net, pinnacle.com, and also at pinnacle on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. And remember to gamble responsibly. <laughs>